accusés d'un vol qu'ils n'ont pas commis, n'ayant aucun moyen d'en faire la preuve, ils fuient sans cesse devant leurs poursuivants. Pour subsister, ils emploient leurs compétences. Quand la loi ne peut plus rien pour vous, il vous reste un recours, un seul, l'agence Tourisque. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Rogue Opinions Podcast. And again, today, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for another grapple update because, um, I don't know, I, th- I think there was some wrestling and some th- stuff might have happened since the last time we spoke. So I've roped in, uh, well, that's a different podcast, but I have uh, cordially invited Mr. Scott McLeod along with me once again. Scott, how are you today? Oh, guys. My NR William Regal coming out again. Sorry, yeah. I, I thought I kept that under control, but yes, I'm happy to be here to talk some some grappling. Yes, yes. The the, up, the we needed the uh, the grapples to be updated quite uh, efficiently, and uh, the two of us uh, decided to uh, make sure that we could have that happen. Uh, Nathan is still here, but he is uh, still in the corner, uh, not allowed to talk. He still knows what he did, um, and uh, this is for. A couple of the things that happened, we're going to talk briefly about uh, the emergence of uh, the icon Sting on AEW Dynamite last week. As we record, Sting is set to speak to uh, one Tony Schiavone, Big Dick Tony, as they refer to him backstage uh, tonight on Dynamite. And we'll get some answers as to what he's planning on doing. Uh, then we'll cover uh, NXT TakeOver War Games, which, by the way, there is a William Regal War Games t-shirt, and I need it. I need it in my life. Um, and then, uh, we'll talk briefly about Mr. Kenneth Omega and, uh, his, uh, his buddy, uh, Don Callis over on impact. And then we will get the fuck out of here. So quick little update here for you guys. We are going to start, of course, with AW dynamite from last week. Pretty eventful show. Winter is coming. Winter is here. If you were on the East coast of the United States of America, you know that it snowed today. Uh, so winter is in fact here. Um, besides the dumb name, uh, what did you think of their, uh, their, their, their little TV special that they, that they ran this week or last week, rather? It's weird because like you think about Game of Thrones and like how that was like one of the biggest things and like TV for ages. I only finished 2019. Yeah. It finished. And yeah, has the show been gone from the most talked about thing to the least talked about thing so quickly because when I remember they announced winter is coming and it took me longer than it should have to remember that that was a Game of Thrones reference because I remember waking up so early in the morning because my brother worked early so we he and, he and I could watch the finale of Game of Thrones together and then like I've not thought about Game of Thrones until I've seen the title winter is coming for AEW but you know other than that yeah I, I enjoyed the show as a whole I, I'd heard about obviously the, the ending everyone was talking about before I watched the actual show so before we did this I had to sit down and probably watch the full episode of, of Dynamite uh, yeah I mean uh, overall the show is pretty cool I'm a big fan of these uh, TV specials that they're doing to uh, 
so they don't need to do a pay-per-view once a month and just once every six or eight weeks or so they just do like a pay-per-view quality uh tv show uh nxt uh during uh takeover war games uh announced that they'll be doing new year's evil on january 6th 2021 uh this in no way is a reaction to anything that some japanese company happens to want to do (laughs) At the beginning of every uh, every year, I doubt that's the case at all. You know, with them being open for business and everything. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought uh, uh, Winter is Coming was a good show. Uh, the one thing we're going to talk about here before we get to the end of the podcast, where we talk about the other thing that happened, the main other thing that happened, was um, after the tag match between, I believe it was Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs and uh, Cody Rhodes and Darby Allen. Um, all team Tad started coming in, beating down the the good guys. They were getting the upper hand. Dustin Rhodes comes out. Uh, he gets a couple good shots in, and then starts getting obliterated. Uh, then the lights go down, and uh, you know my my attention sort of like peaked. I was like, oh, who who did they get? You know what's going on here? And the video starts, and I'm like, ooh, is it Glacier? Like legitimately thought we were gonna get Glacier. Um, not ashamed. Um, he his kicks were very good. Um, and then all of a sudden the word sting shows up on the screen and it not going to lie. It made me, it made me go, Oh shit. Okay. And to hear Tony Schiavone, you know, practically, you know, cream himself, uh, to sit, to get to say that it's sting again on TNT. Everything was a big, big moment. And then sting chased everyone out of the ring and then stared off at the, uh, at the, uh, the, the, the faces in the ring. Uh, I got to ask you, what was your reaction to uh, Sting and what he did, what he didn't do, and what do you hope that he's going to end up doing uh, now that he is all elite? Yeah, I think it's I think it's fair that people are mainly talking about the Sting appearance and not the match itself. Because I'll be honest with you, uh, I couldn't pay attention to the tag match at all. I was looking more at my phone more than the match because it was kind of boring. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the beatdown was clunky as hell. I think Dustin came out to help, and then. Hall's was saying up to kind of hit him with the FTW belt, and then like Cody gets involved, and so like Starks and Cage like knock him down, and Hall's is basically trying to them to get Cody back up so they can like tease him with a belt, and it takes them longer than it should to to get the cue, and then that's when they set up the moment for the lights to go out, and then like with the crow and then all the snow, like the images that are shown in the video, I thought they're really leaning into this winter is coming, like thing. Oh, like is, is John Snow going to come out? Are we going to get a Kit Harrington appearance? Oh, that would have been phenomenal. He can't come to bloody D23, but he can come to, to AEW Dynamite in the middle of bloody Florida. But <laughs> and then Sting comes out and just Tony Schiavone, yeah, he's called it, it's Sting! I think maybe, because obviously the rumour is that a lot of the, the people behind the scenes didn't know he was coming to get a surprise and it wouldn't shock me if Tony Schiavone didn't know because his call of saying it sting is right up there with that time he said, the attack back in the day. Like, mm-hmm. those, are, those are probably his two best calls, in my opinion. Absolutely, then, yeah. You always think if there's any like modern fans out there who are mainly into like current stuff, like in, current indie stuff, and obviously followed all the guys in AEW and became a fan of AEW, you got to feel for them. you got to think to them, it just looks like weird old guy with face paint uh, who really, who's really into crows and baseball bats comes out and stares at everybody and buggers off while everyone else goes mental. But 
and like the best meme I've heard about this is when the the image of Darby and Sting together. It says when your dad goes out for cigarettes in two thousand one and finally <laughs> comes back. <laughs> when the first time when I saw him like looking at the face paint side and then looking at the other side and just seeing Darby's reaction, I just kept thinking in my head, Papa? Is that you, Papa? <laughs> like, it, I hope that the thing that comes out of this is that Darby just gets, like, stalked and, like, weirdly, like, gothically mentored by Sting, where Sting doesn't have to wrestle, he doesn't have to cut any promos, he just, during Darby's matches, he's just up in the rafters just sort of, like, nodding in approval or, like, shaking his head in disappointment or something. That's just brought up to ideas I just had, because one that you can tie in, wrestler Sting with Singer Sting, was, like, just having uh, in the background, whatever Darby's out there, just having Sting in the background and just putting the caption, every step you take, but that even Sting (laughs) I'll be watching you. I don't even know if that's actual Sting. But, and like, I think if Sting is going to wrestle, because he's got this big multi-year deal, I think the door is open apparently if he wants to wrestle, because he apparently wanted to wrestle a cinematic match with Undertaker, given both guys like health physically, I think, especially given the way that Sting's last match went, the smart idea of it, but Dager didn't seem interested in doing any more cinematic matches, and apparently Vince has never been into the idea of Taker v Sting, but I want the idea of a cinematic match between Darby and Darby and Sting, and just at the end, just to reveal like Vader esque, like no Darby, I am your father. <laughs> just, and he's hanging like they do it all at like his like compound or whatever in in Washington State or wherever he lives, and like at the very end, he's like dangling off the side of a bridge, and uh, like uh, they have the whole speech, the whole I mean verbatim. Join me, and we can rule the galaxy as father and son. Everything I would, I would die for that. I think, I think that would be the single greatest moment in wrestling history. And if you disagree with me, make sure to tweet at Ben underscore EBRT. Um, and instead of just dropping it, he just does a coffin drop on a concrete for no reason. Just like I can't be here with thing. He's not my father. Just coffin drop off a bridge. And then it cuts, but it you can obviously tell it's like a doll that they like. <laughs> that they just like wrapped up in Darby's clothes and painted half of its face. And it like gets obliterated on the ground below it. And you're meant to believe that Darby's dead until he comes back full face paint, not just on the half. And he's like, then stalking stink. We are doing way too much thinking about this. I doubt any of this is going to happen. Um, but, um, but yeah, that's, that is uh, the, the sting appearance tonight. He will speak uh, to Tony Schiavone. It's going to be a big moment for, for Tony. A uh, big moment for uh, AEW. Uh, he had the, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but he had the the highest selling t-shirt in the first 24 hours on Pro Wrestling Tees after he came out. Apparently, I think, according to Twitter. That's pretty phenomenal. I mean, you know, to bring in maybe some lapsed fans or people who've only heard about the Crow Sting stuff or people who've only seen the stuff on the network from WCW and stuff. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe pretty, uh, good for AEW in the long run. We will get to the Moxley and Omega stuff at the end after we discuss NXT TakeOver War Games live from the Capital Wrestling Center. And uh, strap in, because TakeOver happened. And um, I don't know, man. To me, this was uh, maybe kind of the most eh 
war games show that they've done. But we'll uh, we'll break it down. Starting off, of course, with the women's war game match that went 35 and a half minutes. Team Candice, Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, and Tony Storm taking on Team Shotzi with Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon, Rhea Ripley, and Io Shirai. Um, the ladies tried. Um, <laughs> they did a lot of they did a lot of stuff. Uh, I thought the the ending of the match was good. I thought. The whole uh, them trying to keep EO out of the ring was interesting. EO's spot with the garbage can was fantastic. Her reaction to surviving said spot was really adorable, which I enjoyed. Um, even though I was wrong in guessing on who was going to win, I was, I was actually kind of happy that Team Candice won. Uh, because if uh, Shotzi's team had won, it would have just felt like, oh, okay, that was a thing that happened. And uh, it was cool that Raquel Gonzalez got the uh, the win for her team. Um, so I'm kind of like on the fence about the first war games match, sort of leaning more toward I was looking at my phone half the time because it was super long. Um, but where do you sit uh, on the opening war games match to war games 2020? I think I can get what you're saying about being the most uh, war games. Uh, so this is the fourth year of them doing it, which makes you think, why does it take them so long? How why did it take them to the fourth iteration to have a regal share with war games when that's been a meme since the second war games in like 2018. But I think the issue I had with this war games is the same issue I had with like the second ever women's rumble. And that while there were moments in them, they weren't as good as the first ever one because I felt it felt like such a big moment that we were getting a women's version of this particular gimmick match. And also last year they had the story of the, the heel turn from Dakota Kai and the four on two disadvantage. So, I think there was more of a story in this first women's war games, whereas in this, it did take them getting used to the idea of the faces having the advantage. Uh, I still thought Shotzi's team were going to win because I thought, well, eventually the team with the advantage has to win. Otherwise, what's the point of having an advantage to begin with? Uh, but then, obviously, taking out <laughs> taking out EO constantly, it got kind of comedic for a while because she kept coming up and she's getting knocked off the cage. Like, no, we told you you can't come in our clubhouse. Yeah, go we away. said no, no, bad EO, this is the, bad. This is the no EOS club, go away. <laughs> um, quickly, just to comment uh, on the uh, the War Games reveal, though, that, did you watch that clip? How they, they, they tickled the balls, like, so, so much. You just hear, like, Adam Cole going, say it, William, say it. Um, and, and then he, he has to walk all the way down and the crowd is going, Oh, Oh, it was the best reveal for the war game. Cause you knew it was coming. I think that was my favorite part of the war games takeover. And it was like two, three weeks ago. So like, it was just my favorite reveal. And now they have a t-shirt. So like, I, I have to, I have to get this now. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I think, uh, it was the right outcome and we'll probably get Raquel and EO on um, New Year's Evil or New Year's Dash or whatever they're calling it. Um, I, mean, I think I think it's quite interesting that Raquel got the, the win because everything about this seems like it's all around Shotzi and Candice. I like Shotzi coming out in the tank. I'm kind of disappointed that they didn't get a tank that all four of them could ride in the, into the building on. but And then she tried to actually fire something at Dakota Kai. Uh, then, like, it seemed like it was the spot was ending, so it should have been between those two, because that was the feud. So I thought they were maybe setting up Shotzi to be a potential challenger for 
for EO because like they seem to be pushing her quite heavily after like hosting Halloween Havoc and everything. And then uh, Raquel Gonzalez gets the win, and fair do to EO because first she took the, the bumps with the trash can, and then the one with the awkward one with the Dakota guy trying to take her out of the trash can when she should have just pinned her with the trash can on her because she was trapped. But and then also taking a power bomb just through a table and then going to the table and landing on the metal part that, that basically connects the two rings. So, like, Eel took a fair share of bumps on this show, and I'm wondering, was that the planned finish, or did they change it because, like, Candice got injured? Because I heard that like, she broke her, I think, maybe in the spot with the scent on, off of the ladder onto the chair. But, um, you know, I think it'd be interesting, like, something different with Raquel getting the, the title shot. I'm hoping that this doesn't, lead to, doesn't mean that you know, they're doing like what they did with Diesel. Like, they suddenly start pushing the, the heavy uh, on the road and breaking her up from the person she was teamed with. Because I would think it would be a disappointment if they broke up Raquel and Dakota before they got a chance to properly challenge for the women's tag belts. Because I thought you need an NXT team to win those belts soon. Because otherwise, like, the whole idea of like, oh, they can go between brands. But for now, we're just going to keep them on Raw. And for now, we're just going to keep them on SmackDown. Yeah, and they have, like, a way better women's division in NXT anyway. So, like, mm-hmm. if the belts got to hop around in NXT for a little while, I think that that, I think that could be, like, really good. And I think D- Dakota and Raquel, like, really had, like, kind of standout performances uh, on mm-hmm. in, in this match. Uh, um, as much as I was sort of, like, eh on the match itself. And normally, I am very, very positive about the War Games matches, but for some reason... These just uh, I, and spoilers for later. These two war games matches really didn't exactly hit for me as well as I thought they were going to. Um, I think they should be commended for fitting two rings and the cage and everything into the Capitol Wrestling Center. Uh, I like that the cage sort of like dismantled and came up came back together and, and mm-hmm. everything. Like the whole setup was actually really really interesting. Unfortunately, the match was just sort of okay. Um, Dakota, yeah, I, th- I think D- Dakota's been working way better as a face anyway, uh, as a heel rather anyway, and yeah, like I, I just don't think they should break them up for any reason. Like I, I just to agree with you, like I think that they should be getting a chance at the women's tag belts because you know why hasn't anyone beaten for the tag belts yet? You know what I mean? Like, and it would be cool to see two former NXT. Uh, women go down and defend them again you know when it's naya and shana naya and shana versus dakota and raquel could be really really good yeah i mean i mean but who wants to see those two challenge for the belts you know they've only been together most of this year because you know the real money making team is you know the team that goes back a long way is asuka and lana no every time i just think about this match that's happening at tlc it just it just gets me more and more angry. I'll go back to War Games because, uh, uh, like, the thoughts on this year's War Games kind of aside, I do think that going into it, also there was a lot of hate, and I think for NXT, War Games is kind of becoming it's become one of the few gimmick pay-per-views, but like kind of money in the bank and the rumble that people still get excited for, and it's not a case of oh, oh why is this pay-per-view or why is this gimmick match only happening in a specific month? You know, it, it, they avoid the same complaints that most people usually give it whenever Hell in a Cell comes up or whenever TLC happens in December or to some extent whenever the Chamber happens in February or March or wherever they decided to do it. 
Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was just uh, taking a sip of the uh, the beer that I opened. Um, yeah, I think um, that the, them offsetting t- uh, war games this year was uh, it was a little f- like more fresh uh, and everything, but. I don't know. I mean, I guess they if they were going to do war games or if they knew sooner on that maybe this uh, Team Candace and Team Shotzi match probably could have had, um, I don't know, but, uh, just like if they had given it more of a story of rather just like, oh, Candace broke my tank and now I'm going to build a new tank. Like, I don't know, something else. Like the close to last Wednesday's um, NXT TV was like really cool, the imagery and everything. And uh, with them standing tall at the end, you know, and getting the cool entrance, I think maybe we should have been able to figure out that they were probably going to lose. But they did shoot something at the cage, and uh, Dakota pretty much sold it like she had been shot, which I thought was, you know, good of her. Um, but yeah, that was. Wait, the I just want footage of Chelsea in our tank and just shots of the other women on our team, and then they should have just the A team like introduction over it. That would be fantastic. So- just before you do the thing with the gunshots in the 18, where we took this picture of the four of them up on the standing on the ladder on the go home show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'd love to see that. And I think that uh, them getting to use um, War Pigs by uh, Black Sabbath was mm-hmm. like so good. That promo package, we'll get to it later on, but the promo package for the main event was one of the best ones they've done in a very, very long time. Um, Next up, though, we got Tommaso Ciampa taking on Timothy Thatcher in a singles match that went about 16 three-quarter minutes. Um, This match fucking ruled. I thought this match was really, really fun. Timothy Thatcher looked like he fucking exploded his eardrum at one point. Um, He did have to get dumped out of the ring so they could check on him, which was, like, very obvious at the time, but guy could have been seriously injured. Um, And at the end of the match, after Ciampa gets the pinfall victory, uh, they have a bit of a standoff. Um, possibly leading to another match. I hope that this goes to them wrestling like two or three more times and then gaining respect for one another and becoming a tag team because I think Champa and Thatcher both sort of need something here because Champa seems to be floating and Timothy Thatcher seems to like be in a position where he needs something that he can sink his awkwardly spaced teeth into. Um, but yeah, the, I love this match. I can't say enough good about it. But uh, what did you think of uh, Champa and Thatcher? Yeah, it's one of those rare matches where, like, it's gonna you get think it's gonna happen, and it's like not officially announced until the very last minute. And then, despite that, you still at least you're wondering, like, I don't know who's gonna win this because it felt like both of them needed to win it. Mm-hmm. And I think the best thing I can say about this war games is that they structured it quite well because obviously you bookend it with both war games and also you also got another kind of gimmick match on the show and so they separated two gimmick matches with just the only the only real just singles match no gimmicks match on the show and they put that in between and the fact that I think it, I checked it went 16 minutes so it, it gave you plenty of time to kind of get recover from the uh, from the war games and then settle into this match and just, which was basically two guys just beating the fuck out of each other is really when you think about the blood coming out of Thatcher's ear really helped sell the image of him making him look more crazy uh, than he usually looks. You know, when he's basically when he's got the hold on the choke on uh, Champa, and also like the the transition of like, getting uh, Thatcher caught up in the ropes so that Champa can get him in position for the Willow's Bell DDT. I thought it was a really good setup. 
I think in the end, we look at that uh, Champa probably deserved to win the more. And honestly, like, I would love to see them wrestle a few more times. And then, like, I've heard a lot of people talk about potential them being a tag team. And uh, what I said when I was on tip with some people earlier on was uh, early 2021, you know, the period between Rumble and Mania seems to be the time where they like to do the Dusty Classic. And it seems to be like the rule is like at least one oddball team that you didn't think would get as far as they do either wins it or gets to the finals. Because you know, we had Strong and Pete Dunne, we had Pete Dunne and Riddle, we had uh, Alistair Black and Ricochet, and also maybe in 2021 the the odd couple of teams are going to be Champa and uh, Champa and Thatcher. That would be I. That would be so cool. I think that those two guys, like if they're on the same page, a tag team of Chima- Tommaso Champa and Timothy Thatcher could be really like next level but um while you were talking there my brain sort of went oh the bros are weights do you remember them how they were so good it, it, it would be kind of fitting because both of them were kind of brought in to be like random parts of random teams because that came in and debuted as like as the replacement for beat them because the bros weights couldn't be together because of the pandemic and then also champa was just brought in as part of the dusty classic along with gargano and that started their tag team, so it kind of would weird, it kind of would like sit them that you know the two guys who came in as part of like throwing together tag teams would then form themselves a thrown together tag team. A lot of layers there, a lot of layers. Um, but yeah, I, so, I guess like an onion. Yes, sure. yeah, like yes, like ogres. Ogres <laughs> are have a lot of layers. You know what else has layers? What has layers? Uh, um, I fucked it up. The. Uh, <laughs> The yogurt thing, that it, the parfait. Parfaits must be the most delicious thing on the whole damn planet. Somebody said, hey, Donkey, you want to you want a parfait? I said, hell yeah, I want a parfait. Um, but you know what else? You know what else has layers, Scott? What? Cameron Grimes taking everybody <laughs> to the moon, uh, along with Dexter Loomis, who slams us back down to reality in a strap match that went about 13 minutes, 12 minutes, 52 seconds to be precise, according to Wikipedia. And uh, surprisingly, uh, but pleasantly, Dexter Loomis got the win uh, against Cameron Grimes here. Uh, This match was a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, Cameron Grimes can do no wrong. Still, in my opinion, I think he's great. Uh, He's got a lot of the character stuff done. I think Dexter Loomis probably needed this more because I think Cameron Grimes is going to be fine. Whatever you do with him. Uh, but yeah, I, this was another match that I just really, really loved. Um, really no complaints. I mean, Loomis is a little bit, you, you know, hit and miss, but I think that with Cameron Grimes, since he's been working with them for a while, uh, they've had a lot of time to sort of figure out what this match would sort of look like. And I think that they, they absolutely nailed it. Uh, what did you think of the strap match? Yeah, just by the way, now, talking about NXT, we talked about what's happened on AEW tonight. Uh, also, we're recording this Wednesday night, but I just I was looking on Twitter there, and uh, they announced a couple of matches for NXT tonight. We've got uh, Ember Moon versus Raquel Gonzalez. So if Gonzalez wins that, then probably a fit that yeah, she's probably a chance. Eel uh, coming to maybe on the New Year's Evil show, and uh, Cameron Grimes is apparently going to fight uh, Tommaso Ciampa tonight. So he's not getting an easier easier go of it than he did here. Cameron Grimes and Tommaso Ciampa does sound like a fun, fun match. Mm-hmm. It's weird to think that we've had three strap matches in 2020. Because you've got Loomis and Strong, and then also we had The Fiend, Wyatt. The Fiend versus uh, Daniel Bryan at the Rumble, which doesn't feel like it was this year, but it was. 
And what is good though is that they've done away with the idea of like the four corners thing because it allows matches like this to have a lot more freedom. Because like we remember in the in the strong match, you had the thing where they're trying to throw him in the trunk, and then my favorite moment of this match was like Graham's throwing uh, Graham's throwing Loomis over the barricade, and then just the the image of Loomis's gloves appearing, and then just Loomis just appearing over the barricade and just looking at Cameron Grimes. Then Cameron Grimes quickly just yanks him back over with, and then putting the blindfold on him so he doesn't have to like look at his weird like eyes because that's what freaks out Cameron Grimes. And although it does it did look weird because it was a they need to get smaller blindfolds because uh, Cameron Grimes throws Loomis back in the ring and you can kind of see Loomis trying to stop the bag from falling off of his head. <laughs> Because it's a bit too big for him, and then obviously I like I get almost sad that they didn't get to see the cave-in spot on the chair, but it was a good reversal. And yeah, I think they're it's almost like they're making this Loomis especially match because they ideally he is like they're not even like dancing in the fact he is a serial killer, and, yeah, <laughs> he, and the idea of like the fact that he, you're strapped to this guy and you can't go anywhere, I think that makes this is as well as the fact he ties you around with a strap and then locks in that submission move. That he uses, like, I think it's perfect for his character. Yeah, yeah, he. Uh, I, I think that like with Cameron Grimes just being absolutely terrified of him, and uh, Dexter Loomis just being able to stare. I think that they nailed like all of those little like moments and stuff. Um, and I love at the beginning of the match, like as Loomis is making his entrance, they like pan away from Dexter Loomis to specifically show the ref. Like who was the zombie ref uh, in the cinematic match that they had at uh, Halloween Havoc, and I totally expected Grimes to come out and like freak out because the referee was there again. Um, but like, I mean, that just goes to show that they've done like tons and tons and tons with this uh, over the last like month and a half that this has been maybe two months that this has been going on, and it's you know it was you know with Dexter Loomis he started out being super serious and stuff but like there is like a sort of weird sort of dark comedic aspect to this serial killer baby face that's that's uh come out now and i don't know i i just this is another one of those things this this pay-per-view like literally feels like if you've gone down to the shop and you get like your favorite sandwich your favorite sandwich and the the middle is like perfect and you know, it's it's hot and it's melty and it's delicious, but the bread is like bad. <laughs> like the bread is all fucked up. Like they didn't have your, you know, whatever bread you normally get it on, and they had to put it on like, I don't know, fucking multigrain or something, something really just awful. Uh, and that's just sort of what this show just constantly was making me think of. The all day today while I was getting ready to record this, I was trying to think of an analogy. And that's the the only thing that stuck with me was just a, a a sandwich with delicious filling, but the bread was just off. <laughs> it sounds a bit too personal to just be a an example. You just thought, "Oh, this sounds personal." Yeah, I'm just saying. I I've worked for uh for a lot of for a few sandwich places, and <laughs> sometimes the bread just isn't up to snuff. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes, sometimes it's the bread. Sometimes it's the filling. You can have a you can have a damn good meatball sub. Sometimes where the meatballs and the sauce are great, but the bread is dog shit, and vice. 
unfortunately, the bread was not very good on this particular Sunday evening. Uh, Next up in this uh, delicious middle of the pay-per-view was Johnny Gargano taking on Damian Priest and the then North American champion Leon Ruff. Uh, Johnny Gargano got the win in about 17 and a half minutes. Uh, A lot of fun in this match, Uh, although Leon Ruff uh, has now uh, died. Uh, You will never probably see him in some sort of prominence again. Not that he didn't do well, but uh, I believe that the novelty is probably just about worn off uh, from Leon Ruff. He, he he, He came across looking very, very small in this match, even with a guy like Gargano in the ring. Uh, but I think that everything about this match was, you know, a lot of fun too. Uh, Leon Ruff got thrown through the barricade at one point, got to make his comeback. Uh, Gargano and Priest uh, still doing great work together. Um, and Johnny Gargano becomes the only three-time North American champion in NXT history. So um, don't know what's next for Johnny Wrestling, but uh, I am a fan of this match in general. Um, what did you think of the triple threat? Yeah, it was, I think I would say the two War Games matches based on the, the build to the show, this was the match I was most looking forward to because I really enjoyed the story of Leon Ruff winning the title and I actually wanted to see it continue and I thought given the fact it was a triple threat, you could easily tell the story of it just basically coming down to a Priest and Gargano and then just out comes Leon Ruff, he just sneaks in and just steals the win but then also they went with Gargano and I believe not only is he the only three-time North American champion. He's the only person to hold a singles title three times. He's like the only other three-time champion is Carlo O'Reilly, but he held the tie title three times. So mm-hmm. they're going to have only a three-time holder of a singles title. And hopefully he can hold on to this for like more than a week. Because like, I think he's like, like he says that only he was like a 20-odd days in his first reign, but really it was actually four because of the way NXT was taped. And he, when he lost it, he dream, and then he held it for like a week after in the second reign, so hopefully he can actually hold on to this hold, hold on here at this time but I enjoyed the match uh, there was like 20 ghost faces appearing and yet they'll probably make, try to get you to forget about all of them except for the one who took his mask off, like oh yes it was him all along, just like yeah but there are like 20 more of you, like don't you expect me to just forget about that, you know you don't you, you expect me to believe there's just one person standing in front of a lot of mirrors <laughs> like, where did all these other ghost faces come from? I think it was T Bar, uh, who's tweeted like, "Oh, those were that's where all our retribution extras went to." <laughs> um, I did think it was clever though that when um, the man unmasked uh, as the ghost face, um, and it was Austin Theory, um, and he did the whole "It was me, Austin. It was me all along." Um, I thought that was clever. It was funny. Um, but not excited that uh, Austin Theory is back in general. I think he's a good wrestler, but I don't know. I don't know. A little murky. I think I like the idea of like yeah, Candice and Johnny have decided they're going to get their own little like proteges each. You know, so Gargano's got Austin Theory who has been cast off from being a Selena Vega, part of Selena Vega's group, and then suddenly he was the underling of Seth Rollins. So now he's just is this just Austin Theory's role now? He's just somebody's pal or somebody's or whatever, and then you've got like knockoff Rosa Diaz. I mean, uh, Indy Hartwell, <laughs> uh, and then, like, there was that clip from the Go Home NXT where like you got Johnny and Candice and uh, Indy getting into a, 
a car and then there's just a guy in the back seat dressed like Ghostface. I just, I'm KP, I like the idea of just joining, like, okay, Austin, you can ride in the car with us, but nobody can know that you're uh, associated with us yet, so please put on the spare Ghostface mask, will you? So we can't be seen with you in public. Hey, listen, Johnny Gargano's keeping kayfabe alive, man. It's like when um, Sandman had to pretend that he was blinded for months. Yeah, Johnny Gargano and Pat McAvee, as we'll talk about later, they're the ones keeping kayfabe alive. What a world. What a world to be, to, to be in. 2020 is very strange. Um, but yeah, I thought the match was a hell of a lot of fun. Um, I actually sort of really dug, like, even when the world does go back to normal, or whatever version of normal remains, um, when it, it, you know, this whole thing does blow over, um, if they do war games again next year, I'd l- fuck it, I'd like to see them go and do this again. Like, the way that this all looked, and the way it was set up, and everything, I thought that like that they really nailed that part of it. I wish I wish that they would have like, I don't know, nailed the actual matches, like the war games matches a little bit better, but you know, not that they were not that they were bad or badly wrestled, but I mean, we'll get into it. Um any, anything else about the uh North America? I mean, where do you think Johnny Gargano goes from here? Like what do you think is the next thing for the North American title? Does he hold on to it? Does he lose it soon to someone else? Uh, like I said, I think I'd, I'd like to see him actually get a, a decent reign with us because like, even his NXT title reign didn't last that long. His tag title reign with Champa went from one takeover to the next. So like, I'll let him actually hold it for like a couple of months. I think the idea of pairing him with Fiery is means he's got somebody who can like watch his back, so he'll, he'll help him hold on to it. Uh, I think I've got two people who I'd like to see kind of take it off of him. I think either Loomis or depending on how long they're going to stick around for. Uh, I'd like to see Kyle O'Reilly take it off him and like yeah, let him have a more of a singles run uh, in NXT and be like, maybe take the North American belt for not going to give him the NXT belt before Undisputed Era eventually get all like, called up together. Uh, yeah, they are probably going to get called up soon, aren't they? Um, I'd really like it if we got the Cole and O'Reilly match, though, first, to be honest with you. Yeah, because I've heard a lot of people saying, oh, and it's better, we're going to split up soon, like, then end this, and I thought, like, well, after they, after they won the war game, uh, that they won the war game, I think, like, well, we're clearly not splitting up anything since they lost, then, yeah, you could argue that, because, like, maybe Pat's team were going to be, like, the new heel faction after they split up, but I think the fact that they've, like, the fact that they've uh, put together and they've won the war game makes me think they're going to stick together, and I think they need a decent run on the main roster before splitting up because like you need somebody who can fill that like role of a, the top faction on the main roster like the shield had before or something like that you know because clearly retribution aren't uh, as much as i love the hurt business they're really just they're, not, they're a good faction but they're not the most prominent faction they're kind of the mid-card faction you know they're focused on like the u.s and tag belts but you need like undisputed air to be this like because they haven't had that faction show up on the main roster and win all the gold in a long time. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if anyone can do it, it's probably them. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's get into it. Um, oh, I think it was uh, right around now, or maybe maybe it was a little earlier. Um, Finn Balor uh, cut a promo where he said that he'd be back on Wednesday, and uh, it's time for everyone to start watching the champ again. You know, that means the cat is coming back, ladies and gentlemen. Um, 
Hi, Titai, Titai. Yeah, I am Finn Balor. <laughs> fucking Jesus Christ. He's all of a sudden he's a fucking cat person. I don't <laughs> get it. Uh, but yeah, uh, we'll be back on uh, NXT tonight. Uh, hopefully something comes out of that. Hopefully maybe we get like Pete Dunne versus uh, versus uh, Finn Balor, maybe. Maybe that's something maybe. because they teased it a little bit with, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. So that might be interesting. Because yeah. also we've got the tease for Cross coming back and apparently he's like way ahead of like schedule when he should have been in terms of like his recovery. And obviously the, the, the tease with it, the weird crow or whatever that was. And like, I'll get one like, what the hell is this? Yeah, Vulture. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And then also you got the TikTok at the end. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if like as soon as he comes back, they put the belt back on him because also they had plans for him. And maybe they want to pick up where they left off because like with Balor, I think him winning the title was a case of like, oh, well, Cross said they vacate the belt. And we wanted to put the UK belt on Balor, but he can't get over to the UK. Let's like, fix those problems and want to give him the main belt for now. Yeah, yeah, I could see that probably. Um, it would yeah. suck because like I wasn't ever really like too sold on Carrying uh, Cross. Uh, I mean, obviously Scarlet is as good as the manager, and I mean because Scarlet's always really great. But um, I don't know. I thought. I, I thought Cross probably needed a little bit more time before winning the belt anyway, but it wouldn't surprise me if they just like stuck the belt right back on him, especially because he's coming back so strong. I mean, Triple H must have taken him down to the GNC, you know, really showed him, really showed him the supplements that he needed to get back in, in shape with uh, in time. Because the guy's a, the guy's a maniac anyway, especially with working out and everything. So the fact that he's better already is not surprising. Um, but, I mean, we'll see. He took him down and said, like, where's that doctor we used for John Cena's surgeries? You help him get back in. And I was like, like, I think the best, the closest person I can think of in terms of, like, coming back when long before they should or, like, quickly before they should is probably Cena. Yeah, yeah. And you know that that's what they look for. They they don't want people to be out uh, for long stretches of time. So when you can show that you can do the work, you can safely get back and you can get cleared well under schedule that does uh that does that does uh mean good things for him probably so uh, we'll have to see what happens later tonight over on nxt we'll probably be covering that you know i don't know sometime down the line um so the main event of the night was the undisputed era uh adam cole kyle o'reilly roger strong bobby fish uh taking on team mcafee kings of nxt the brand whatever the fuck they're called pat mcafee pete dunn danny birch and oni lorkin in a war games match that went 45 motherfucking minutes um i was a huge fan of uh pretty much all the other ones uh but for some reason this main event didn't hit as well for me i think that maybe uh the kickouts was maybe what did it for me uh, where it was just sort of like, oh, oh, okay, oh, okay, and here we, and then Pat McAfee kicking out of a Panama Sunrise was like, all right, whatever. Um, but uh, the wrestling was all very, very well done. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly and uh, Pete Dunne in the opening five minutes was oh, just sexual wrestling. It was so good. <laughs> it was uh, as Ross from Cultaholic would call it, liquid wrestling. It was just unbelievable stuff uh so much fucking happened in this match there were tables and 
chairs and Adam Cole took a bitter end right on a chair, like to the ribs um, towards the end of the match. I mean, fucking hell. Uh, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly teamed up again to do some tag team offense, which was always good to see them doing their thing. Um, but yeah, as far as the main event goes, uh, where are your thoughts on it? I thought there was a lot to enjoy about this, this main event. I would like next time have a, we should probably discuss like what they're going to do with regards with weapons in terms of war games. Cause I think this is the first time, like, I don't know if this happened last year, but like, the fact that both the women's match and the men's match had like a lot of weapons being brought into the cage kind of made you think like, well, what the war- men's war games going to do that the women's war games didn't do because the women's one had like kind of like ladder spots, you know, that, that final spot for the table that we talked about earlier. Like I think it was a nice touch that they had like the four different tables with uh, the different names sprayed on it. But then like when there was like that fourth table just in the middle for like ages that like went the longest that being broken, it kind of made, made, made me a bit on edge. It's like well, is that table going to get broken? Is that good? You know, it's like Chekhov's table. If a table appears, someone must go through it. And, like, Pat McAvee come in last, but then, like, Aaron and then acting like he was going to go next, but then only looks like, oh, no, no, let me go. I insist. Or, like, or Diane was like, oh, no, let me go next, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think as if he would go, but you know, like, he's going to go last. Uh, and, like, the best thing about the, the opening segment with O'Reilly and they done, like, they did a really good technical, like, start. And but it wasn't anything that you could actually beat the other person with, unlike like, in the women's one, because sometimes it depends like who starts off, but it can sometimes be a bit off putting the start of a war game, especially when it's the first two people in that you can't pin anybody like until everyone's in the match, which kind of made Candice look stupid earlier on when they kept you out, but then tried to go for the pin, and then the referee told her, like, Eel's not technically entered the cage, so you can't pin her, which made like, also the heels look stupid earlier on. But here, it just like... It was just basically two guys trying to one-up each other and not able to get the advantage. And Pat McAvee doing the dive off the cage. Just that look of, like, I regret nothing. And just diving on everybody. And they didn't even catch him. <laughs> and, like, it's part of the reason I, I like the fact that there's no roof anymore. Because you can do stuff like this. Because uh, I thought Pat was going to try and escape, like, Cole almost did in 2017. But the thing would be Cole bringing him back in. Because, uh, like, I've seen footage of old war games, and, like, the roof actually, I think, is a hindrance more than anything. Because, like, you had the time where Brian Pelman got, you know, got dropped on his neck when they tried to powerbomb him, and his, like, legs got caught in the roof and shit like that. Uh, so, like, stuff like this helps. I would say about Pat McAvee, like, the negative, yeah, is the fact that they didn't have, like, Pete Dunne or anybody break up the pin. Like, they had him kick out of the Panama Sunrise. And, like, mate, it's, like, it's your second ever match. You've not earned the right to kick out of, like, kick out of a Panama Sunrise like that, you know. I don't care if CM Punk claims that you're the best promo in WWE right now and everyone else should be ashamed. Like, it's the Panama fucking Sunrise. Yeah. Yeah, it's his fucking finisher. Like, like, I don't know. I mean, then and then, of course, it was like finisher, 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 kick out, finisher, kick out, finisher, kick out uh, for a few minutes, which, listen, I fucking work in indie wrestling. I've seen it 150,000 times. Um, but... I don't know, just something about this War Games match just sort of, like, didn't exactly, I don't know, hit the right way. I don't know. I think that they wrestled really effectively. They're all really good at wrestling each other. I think Pat McAfee really looked pretty good, uh, you know, as a celebrity, like, guest appearance to be in the War Games match and not just, you know, stand around. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
it, it played to his strengths because like there were sequences where like a wart they had the advantage and he's just sitting on the turnbuckle while the other guys are beating down on the speed air with weapons and that and so like he, he played his part well and I actually thought a lot thought a couple of times that they could have stolen the win and like because like, I thought well, Undisputed Era are going to win this because like the heels won earlier on, but then like they kept almost stealing it, and like there were a few close two counts for me. I think I would give this like War Games the edge over the women's one. I think there is an issue with some things with the War Games as uh, you know it can go a bit long. They had the scenes where everything happened, and then just everyone just stares at each other, and then suddenly everybody's going at each other again. I think it's because it takes ages for everybody to actually get in the ring. But they don't want to end the match too quickly. But by doing that, you end up like going a bit too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like the uh, the spot as well where uh, O'Reilly uh, and McAfee sort of like s- like squared off for a moment, but then uh, Pete Dunne like got in the center of it, and then they just started fucking murdering each other all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, Kyle O'Reilly and, and Pete Dunne just. Give me that match like fourteen or fifteen more times in different incarnations, and I'll be happy. They just, you know, they're. I mean, Kyle O'Reilly really was the standout here. Everyone knows Adam Cole is fantastic. Bobby Fish, you know, has fantastic facial hair, um, <laughs> and Roger Strong graced us with his presence, I guess again. But um, I mean, they they all went out there and they beat the hell out of each other, and it, it was a fitting main event for uh, War Games. And yes, definitely, I think this one. Uh, like was better than the women's one uh just as far as like just the way it all was set up and it, it just sort of like flowed a little bit better i definitely looked at my phone less during this war games match but it did go on a little bit and this one isn't even the longest one i think the longest one was 2018 the 2018 like men's one well there was only one in 2018 but yeah that one i think is the longest uh also a couple of things with this is that I actually thought that as glad as I was for O'Reilly to get the, the pin for his team, I kind of thought that Panama Sunrise spot should have been the end because obviously, like, Cole and, and McAvee have been the ones that had issues, like, dating back like, a couple of years. And I, something I figured out here is that, you know, Strong was on the losing, like, one of the losing teams when Undisputed Era won the first war games. And then as part of Undisputed Era, he's lost two war games after that. So this is actually the first time Roderick Strong has actually won a war games match. And, like, despite the fact that the Undisputed Era in some way or another have been in every War Games match, at least the men's one. So, wait, is this the first one that uh, Strong has won? Yeah, because he was against Undisputed Era in 2017 with Authors of Pain and the one that also included Sanity. And then when he's been a part of Undisputed Era in 2018 and then 2019, both times, like, Undisputed Era lost. So, even mm-hmm. though Undisputed Era are 2-2 two and two now, as the team Straw himself has actually never won a, won a War Games until this match. Oh, that's cool, I guess. I, and I mean, again, the uh, the question that that just comes out of it is like, well, now what for most of these guys? You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm hoping this actually leads to like Strong and Fish taking the tag belts from Walken and Birch. I mean, as good as it's been that these guys have finally got a, a decent push and. Also, they got a main event takeover. I think this is where it's leading because I think especially O'Reilly's going to get a singles push. I mean, Adam Cole is just like Adam Cole, and I think I mean I heard that Bobby Fish got like a gash along his elbow 
during this match. I hope it's not like something that keeps him out because it does seem to be him that constantly gets injured by injuries out of the four in that group. And also the thing about Ort Locken and Birch, why is it no point in the build did they not bring up that match they had in Chicago where basically the fans turned on them because Undisputed Era were cooler when it was their first big like, opportunity? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that was the Chicago match, right? Yeah, I think it was the second Chicago takeover. It was the, the MV Strong and Fish, sorry, Strong and O'Reilly, because that's when uh, that was when the time where Fish originally went out and Strong had just joined the group. And like, well, the Lockin and Birch were like loved by the full sale crowd, but then Chicago, it was the fans were just really in the undisputed era. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Chicago is going to be a stronghold for them as always. Um, but yeah, I, I mean. Uh, other than this getting a little too like they could have broken it up more with like the the teams breaking up the pinfalls and trying to you know save the finishers a little bit more but you know it is what it is i hope that we do get maybe o'reilly or dunn or you know like the one of those two guys winning the north american title soon so like those two guys can feud over it and then maybe undisputed era gets like the belts back and then loses them just before mania and then after mania they go up if they have to go up, you know, which, you know, it is what it is. Um, I mean, in the universe we've been talking about, we could potentially see Strong and Fish against Champa and Thatcher, which I wouldn't say no to. Oh, yeah, that would be. I mean, even Birch and Lorcan versus Thatcher mm-hmm. and, and Champa could be could be a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> that could, I yeah. mean, Jesus. When we saw what happened with Lorcan... And like uh, Thatcher back, I think it was Great American Bash the first week of that, and like Thatcher almost like broke Lorcan's arm, and then they teased the thing with with Birch, and I don't think they were in, they ever actually had a match between Birch and and Thatcher, which is a shame. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. Yeah, but I mean, just any any match where you're gonna get either two or four guys just like kicking the crap out of one another, like I'm fucking signed up. Give me all that strong style shit all day. Um, but that was uh, NXT TakeOver War Games. Uh, overall, like I said, it was a a sandwich on, uh, I don't know, past, past due bread. Bread that wasn't put in the refrigerator and kept fresh. Um, yeah. I think, yeah. I think that was great to talk about like, the War Games in terms of like, quality. Like, it wasn't a bad show, and the War Games weren't like, the worst. But I think like, since it's maybe the worst one since the first one, because also the first one was like this three pair, three teams that were kind of working out the format and then the ones after that in 2018, the two in 2019 were solid. So I think it's going to take a case where we've had a few now and a case where we're going to get some kind of ones that weren't as stellar as the ones before. So I think it's the less good one since the first time they did it. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so yeah, uh, hopefully uh, tonight on NXT... Uh, we get some uh, some other cool stuff leading up to uh, New Year's Evil on the 6th of January. That should probably be a pretty big show, and we'll be right back here to discuss it. Uh, one final thing before we uh, say our goodbyes here on the Grapple Update here on Rogue Opinions. I um, want to talk about real quick um, the John Moxley and Kenny Omega match, and then the Kenny Omega appearance on Impact Wrestling. No, I'm not having a stroke. That actually happened, ladies and gentlemen. Um, their viewing figures were way, way, way up on Twitch. 
uh, I think it was like fifty-five or sixty thousand concurrent viewers when they were airing on Twitch, and normally they only get like fifteen or sixteen. Um, and then, uh, yeah. So let's talk about the match first. The main event of Winter is Coming on AEW Dynamite last week was uh, John Moxley defending the AEW World Championship against Kenny Omega. The match was awesome. I thought I thought it was pretty great. Um, what did you think of the match? First of all, uh, we'll save the angle and stuff to the end. But what did you think of the match? I thought it was it was a decent match. You know, like obviously there's going to be high expectations with John uh, John Moxley Kenny Omega match, and you know it was a decent enough match. You know, and like they did, like, they immediately went to the crowd roll thing when they like they outside mainly instigated by Kenny when they said, "Oh, we're going to have a technical wrestling match." And, you know, they had the stuff where, like, Kenny going after the arm and that. And I don't know what it was, but I couldn't get into it as much as I thought I would. Maybe I need to give it another shot. But, you know, I'd wa- I think the day I'd watched it, I'd watched a lot of other wrestling that day. So maybe I need to give it another shot at, like, some point. But, you know, it was kind of, like, okay for me. Because I think I really, I really only talk about, I think I knew about the angle at the end going into it. So maybe I kind of known the outcome probably affected my enjoyment of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think I, I happened to watch the the I totally legally watched the fight version, so like I didn't have to deal with the commercial breaks and whatnot. And I thought it was interesting that they they had gotten the okay to run over time, if need be. Um, and then of course, if you haven't seen it, um, Don Callis uh, comes off a of commentary at one point when um, John Moxley. Uh, does the paradigm shift into one of those like gigantic heaters at ringside. Uh, Don Collis came down to check on Kenny Omega. He grabs the microphone that wasn't working uh, for him. And he gets in, he tries to stop Moxley from attacking Omega again while the referee is checking on Omega. Uh, Moxley turns around, punches him. Uh, I didn't notice that Don Callis was wearing a rose or something, but I just saw the rose petals on the ground and I was like, what the fuck happened here? What is this all about? Um, and then he throws the microphone to Kenny. Kenny picks the uh, the microphone up, just wallops John Moxley in the face with it and hits him with a one wing angel uh, from the corner um, and wins the AEW World Championship. And they run off like scolded dogs in the night. And uh, Alex Marvez, who has the uh, the quickest foot in all of backstage interviewing, apparently gets to them just before they get in their car and says, uh, you know, can you tell me what's going on here? And Don Callis has something along the lines of, well, let you know, on Tuesday, Don Callis, uh, Alex Marvez is like, wait, what? Uh, Dynamite's on Wednesday. And he goes, yeah, but you're going to have to find out on Impact Wrestling. And the first thing I said was, wait, what? What the fuck? That, that was my first reaction. Like, wait, really? Now you're going to... Why is AEW making me watch Impact? What the fuck? Um, and then I checked out the... Well, okay, first of all, what was your reaction to when Alex Marvez catches up with them and Don Callis is like, we'll tell you on Impact on Tuesday? Wait. Uh, well, it shows that Marvez like, likes to show that he can. he knows what day of the week... Is like, oh, but dynamite's on Wednesday. And then, uh, <laughs> also, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to need to learn how to watch Impact now after all that. And they're like, Don Callis says to you this Tuesday at Impact on Access TV. It's like, 
you're in America, that's what, he just told you how to watch it. Like, <laughs> you clearly aren't paying attention, people. But yeah, I was shocked. You know, we talked about the potential thing between Impact and AEW when we talked about Callis appearing at full gear. And I kind of, I, I think you remember I brushed it off. Like, yeah, probably just because, like, you know, he's friends with, with Kenny and that, and it's just a favourite of him. And then this happened. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm sitting up paying attention because I've mentioned it before. I'm, I've become quite a fan of Impact over the last year. And so anything that helps Impact is, is good. And, you know, I think there's, there's going to be future stuff with, like, maybe some people from Impact appearing on AEW, like the Good Brothers of TC, a rumour to show up at some point. You know, I think once Kels comes back from injury, I think he's still injured. But I just, like, I'm not sure what it, I think it's merely been done as a favour to John Kels because Kenny Omega and him are friends, him appearing on, on Impact. But I'm wondering what, eh, I'm really worried this is going to lead to basically somebody appears on AEW from Impact and then soon we learn, well, this person's been basically nicked from, from Impact and is buggered off to AEW because they've got a lot of good people in Impact and I'd be sad to see anyone like leave Impact. Did you see the video that um, the video that AEW posted where they had bought time on Access mm-hmm. and they had done like a promo and it was Tony Khan being Tony Khan in a promo, I would kill if uh, I would kill to see this as like a program where Tony Khan becomes a character for a little while and he's up against Don Callis, like owner versus owner, you know, like whatever, you know, fictionalized version of that is true. Uh, and you get the both of them like it starts out all cordial and they're tr- they're trading, you know, acts back and forth and then you maybe get some of the uh aw guys going down to impact and the impact guys coming over to aw for certain things and basically in the storyline tony starts signing all these impact guys and then some of like the the guys who are stuck on dark they like defect over to impact and then there's like a little like back and forth or whatever i think that could be hell of a lot of fun because i don't think we've ever really even i'm including the wwf like invasion here too i don't think we've ever really had two companies two separate companies um sort of like existing in the same sort of sphere here and i think that's really interesting yeah i I hope they're really careful how they do this because I don't want this to lead into a full-on like invasion storyline of like Impact try coming to AEW because that's not going to work out well at the end because eventually AEW is going to have to win, and then yeah. like because Impact have been doing a good thing of like they're not going head to head with WWE anymore they're just this alternative and they're just trying their own stuff. Whereas if they go try and go in this invasion thing with AEW and then lose a lot of hardcore AEW fans, just guys will be like, oh well, then this just shows that Impact is just small thing compared to places like AEW, which. It's really a shit thing. It really doesn't do impact. Right, what they've been trying to do for the last like few months of showcasing what they can actually do. Uh, I do like the idea of like the Bucks getting involved in this because like they tweeted a picture of themselves as Generation Me from back in the day. So if this gives us another Machine Guns v uh, Bucks match, then I'm all for it. FTR of like they want to see to wrestle some people from Impact. Uh, Jordan Grace annoyed a lot of people on Twitter because he said we have more Twitter followers than AEW. And, and then all, and people she, took the bait. She also um, 
Jordan Grace also did like a whole like thread of matches she would like to see um, of uh, of AEW versus Impact, and I think that there's so so many possibilities that could come out of this. I mean, I know that this one was more of a one-off mm-hmm. uh, for now, and I guess it'll have to wait like to fully go off until maybe you know the vaccine and stuff starts coming around. So probably middle of next year, we're going to get, you know, maybe like a revisit to this. Um, but as far as what happened on impact, um, essentially um, a bus pulls up at the beginning of the episode and you hear uh, Josh Matthews uh, voiceover and say that is a bus pulling up here to where we film uh, impact in the impact zone on that bus is Don Callis and Kenny Omega. And I'll be sitting down with them later. The whole show goes by, um, which I didn't watch. I'm not going to lie. I did not watch Impact. I just watched the Omega and Don Callis bits. Um, So then he eventually does start having the interview with them, and uh, Callis starts taking credit for uh, him. It takes credit for him and Kenny sort of doing this whole thing uh, from the beginning, like... uh, Callus getting the job in uh, doing commentary for New Japan and then setting up Jericho and Omega in New Japan that uh, he claims started uh, the idea for AEW. And uh, then uh, it was all leading to this moment where they were on impact holding another company's title. And, you know, uh, then Omega simply just says that, like, I want to add more belts to my collection so we could get. Uh, Omega vying for the Impact World Title, and uh, I think they laid the groundwork for a lot of really, a lot of really cool things. But I think on the whole, the promo was sort of disappointing because it was, it sort of felt like if it had been done in front of a crowd, it probably would have gotten like the right amount of like heat, and it would have been done. You know, I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I am all about the cross pollination, but, um, but yeah, what'd you think of the promo, Scott? Yeah. I, I liked it, but it did seem like it was kind of a stock at the thing to help boost the, the rating for impact and late tie over until they'd be doing a, probably a more detailed promo on, on AEW tonight. Cause KRT is another announcement that he's got, uh, coming up on dynamite. Uh, and like it did fit into like the heel character that Don Gallus is doing because he takes credit for the star of AEW and the big in the match between Kenny and Jericho and they talked about how what, everything he's done for Impact which isn't entirely inaccurate because you know since he and Scott DeWork came in also there was a notable change in how Impact was presented and perceived by people uh, but like I said it did seem like a stop gap he did like that he compared it like com- collecting tales he's got the AAA belt he's got the AEW about which he co- compares to like in terms of comics. This is Action Comics number one, and uh, I think he tried to compare the Impact one to like the first appearance of Spider Man or something like that. Oh, fuck's like, sake! Something like that. I think in terms of like value, but like I think the idea of they do tease him like going after belts and Impact, I think it'd be good because otherwise there's a bit earlier on the show because they put this full episode up on YouTube for free to help get more eyes on it. I think, but. There was a segment before when Doc, when Josh Matthews goes to uh, do the interview, you see uh, Rich Swan, the the Impact World Champion, going to the parking lot, and like a guy says, "I'm like, oh sorry, the champ's got this uh, blocked off." He went, oh, "I'm the champion." He went, "Oh, I'm Kenny Omega." He went, "You're not on the list." And then 
Josh Matthews comes back, goes, Josh Matthews, here I interview Kenny Omega and Don Kells, and then he gets let through. And then, like, because if that doesn't lead to anything, then the kind of made Swan look a bit shit as an Impact World Champion, because, to be fair, since Rich Swan, me and, my, me and Paul on our podcast talked about how good the story was leading into Swan win the belt. But to be honest, since Swan won the belt, he's not been the best champion, to be fair. I mean, he also wasn't the best. X Division champion either. Like it just seems like when he does win, even when uh he won the cruiserweight title in uh WWE, when, once he wins the title, it's just sort of like, well, we didn't exactly plan for this. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I think me and Paul have talked a lot about the fact it seems like maybe it's hard to kill the pay view in January that it's basically everything's leading to all signs are leading to Miss beating Swan for the belt. And honestly, I'm more interested in a Moose versus Kenny Omega match than a Swan Kenny Omega match. You know, because I think there's a lot more possibilities. I kind of want to see Sammy Callahan be one of the Impact guys to show up on AEW, especially given he's got this like hacker thing going on. And like, he, he had this promo where he talked about everything he'd done for Impact. And it seemed like like the idea of him going over and basically if AEW wins the ratings that week that he shows up, he can then play that into his whole The Draw gimmick. And basically say, you're welcome, AEW, even though it probably wasn't to do with him. Yeah, and I, I, I definitely agree. I think that Sammy Callahan being one of those guys. Uh, one more quick thing about the promo. Um, Omega offhandedly just called Moxley Ambrose <laughs> in the promo, too. Like, when he was throwing the nameplate at Josh Matthews, he was like, oh, you're friends with Ambrose. Like, that popped me. I was like, ooh, look at him being, being fucking cheeky, this little prick you know um but yeah uh overall i thought like, like we were saying the promo was it was good but overall it was just sort of like okay they didn't even go in the building so odds are they just got this bus josh matthews drove over to florida from tennessee and they did this real quick and then they're gonna be back on dynamite tonight um and uh that's where we're gonna have to leave it ladies and gentlemen uh Omega with the AEW title on Impact. Uh, NXT TakeOver War Games was good. Uh, and, of course, Sting speaks tonight. Uh, then you got uh, FTR is in uh, is in uh, action against the Varsity Blondes tonight, which I'm looking forward to a lot. Um, and uh, on NXT, Cameron Grimes is going to take on Tommaso Ciampa. So good Wednesday coming up. Pretty much. Uh, Scott, why don't you go ahead and tell the people what you got going on in the world? Hey, you can find me on Twitter at ScottMcLean1996. You can find me and my friend Paul uh, at Scott and Paul's Round Podcast at SB Rambling on Twitter. On all good Android podcasts, we do shows about uh, Impact, kind of monthly recap shows. And we've got a show coming up soon where we're going to be talking about this with McKenna Mega showing up and a little bit of a preview for final resolution that's on Saturday. And also we've we've, we've done this weird, weird draft thing where basically we took the Impact roster along with a few random uh, free agent picks uh, and that we basically half the roster and we've done our own rosters where basically Paul's running an Impact show, I'm running a TNA show and we basically compare shows and we're basically starting that. We're doing our first shows uh, or recording that this week. Uh, we also do a bunch of stuff about Frasier and we've got a a review of In Your House 5 coming in a couple of weeks, which uh, also took place around Christmas. It was, it was subtitled Seasons Beatings, which was fun. The show, on the other hand, was uh, 
meh. <laughs> Trust me, I think you would feel like you were being a bit harsh on TakeOver War Games when you, if you watched this show. I mean, the last the main event was good, but anyway. Uh, here on Rogue Pains, obviously, I've got Rogue Retrospective. I'm still trying to... Uh, I had some scheduling issues with the uh, the next couple of episodes, but trust me, it's coming soon. But in the meantime, you can check back out the uh, the Royal Rumble truth parter that we did, where when Billy Gunn came to Rumble, we spent more time debating which of his theme songs was the best, rather than talking about anything he did in the match. And also, I'm on ESSR uh, at Suplex Retreat, doing a bunch of different shows, you know, shows about New Japan, shows recapping the weekly wrestling. Uh, also, YouTube, I think on the 21st of December, uh, I've been asked to fill in uh, for a spot, so I'm now on the latest episode of Quiz Showdown. Quiz Showdown 6, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Uh, <laughs> on the 21st of December, it's uh, basically a wrestling quiz, but it's going to have a, a Christmassy theme to it this time around. Very, very good. Lots of stuff going on uh, all over the place. Uh, we do have our punishment uh, podcast to do still where we will be reviewing King of the Ring 1995. Uh, that will be happening. We are not welching out on the bet. I have just been incredibly busy with work. Uh, so apologies for making you guys wait on that, but it will be worth the wait, I assure you. Uh, Nathan will come at a timeout for that. Um, and then, of course, on the Pro Wrestling Magic side of things, uh, December 18th, uh, on Fight, we have our first uh, pay-per-view called Card Subject to Change. Um, after Battle Brunch wasn't uh, able to go down, we were able to uh, throw together a very interesting uh, card. Uh, and let's just say that um, it is not going to be one you were going to want to miss. Our main event is Darius Carter taking on Erica Lee. And it is... It's been called the best pro wrestling magic match in the company's history. And I firmly believe that that's accurate. Uh, so don't miss out on that. The pay-per-view is only $9.99, $10 on fight pro wrestling magic. If you need any more information, go over to at wrestling magic on Twitter. I am at Mr. Riot. Uh, that's M R R I zero T on Twitter because you know, counter-strike was a thing when I was a kid. Um, and then, yeah, Rogue Opinions will truck on. That's Rogue underscore Opinions. And we are out of time here, ladies and gentlemen. So in the words of Yakko Warner, good night, everybody. Shock the system.